Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, we're in week two of a series called Love the City, and I love Seattle, and last week, if you missed it, we had Pastor Ravon from Union Gospel Mission. He was here talking about homelessness in the city. Incredible. We're doing a follow-up next week on, uh, on, on trauma, how we help walk with people going through trauma, which is amazing. You can sign that up. But as we are in week two this week, one of the things that I want to do, uh, we're highlighting some ministries of people that just love the city, and one of my other favorite ministries is the ministry of community dinners. And one of my favorite community dinner pastors is Pastor Sean Rattan, so we've asked him to share. Would you welcome Pastor Sean? to come up and join us from Community Dinners. Come on up, my brother. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. So, Pastor Sean, I think I was one of your first friends in Seattle. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you and Stephanie. Yeah, you guys welcomed us in and loved us and helped us get established and figure some stuff out. Yeah. Well, I, I love how, you know, one of our prayers is that the Lord would send people on mission to Seattle, and it was so cool to kind of get kind of get to get to meet you. And as we talk about lo- loving the city, um, you do community dinners. Can you tell us a little bit about community dinners for those who maybe they've never heard about it before? Yeah, well, we just, we, we community dinners is just, a, it's a ministry here in the city, and we, we just pray over the city. We, we wait till the Lord kind of lays on our heart a neighborhood, a, an isolated neighborhood, and and we'll go into that neighborhood and find a community center, and we'll set up nice tables with tablecloths. We'll play live music. We'll have a buffet-style catered meal that uh, we bring in, and we just invite the whole neighborhood. It doesn't require any sort of prerequisites or dress code. or We just open it up to everybody, and we get all people from all walks of life, religions, um, I mean, you name it, just whatever pronoun you want to put in that describes the person, they will probably be at the dinners. And we just sit at a table mm-hmm. and share a meal together and get to know each other. And we see strangers become friends and friends become family. Well, there's something powerful about the meal, isn't it? How it's the great leveler. Can you talk about that a little bit, about why you do it around a meal? Yeah, well, I mean, the main reason is because that's what Jesus did. I mean, if you read the New Testament, you know, I heard somebody say, and it's pretty accurate, if you read Jesus was either, when you read the scripture, he was either at a dinner, on his way to a dinner, or coming from a dinner. And That's why I follow Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's the love language of us is food. You know, who doesn't love to eat? And, And I mean, you just think about relationships, any relationship in your life, I mean, really even family, like it's deepened around food you know you get to know a person when you're dating you you go out to eat when mm-hmm. if you're having friends if you're want to know the guys in the church then you go to the men's breakfast you do a men's, that's a great pitch for men's breakfast there thank yeah, you yeah. i appreciate it december yeah. 2nd december 2nd bacon and coffee that's right what else do you need that's right that's right <laughs> Well, and I love it too, because you know, uh, when I first I was I was in Seattle and DC for seven years, and then came back. I was a part of um, several community dinners. Like I was at the, the Pike Place one, the one in Greenwood, the one at Northgate with Pastor John Arnold was part of that. Mm-hmm. And I love how it's the meal. There's a salvation message. There's conversations. There's so many things going on. But I love also how it's very entrepreneurial because you've been in several different locations. Talk about kind of the variety of the locations where you're at. Yeah, well, we moved here eight years ago, and I was helping out with uh, Ballard and Greenwood and uh, just kind of 
coming to the table and sitting. I wasn't really in, had no leadership and just getting to know people and building friendships around the table. Um, and then the Lord led us to, to start a dinner church uh, down in just north of the U District at Calvary Christian Assembly. They have a, a, a gathering space in their basement. Um, and then recently, we just opened up a dinner church in uh, an apartment complex over at Lake City. It's uh, 200 people or 200 mm-hmm. units. So it's a big, uh, it's a large apartment complex for seniors that are on fixed income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been doing that now for, I'm going to say, six months. And it's been pretty beautiful to see uh, the, just the natural development as people get to know each other. And even within that neighbor, that, that community um, I'm seeing friendships blossom where once they were, you know, isolated because just because you live in an apartment complex doesn't mean mm-hmm. you necessarily know your neighbor. And, you know, we're called to know our neighbors and love our neighbors. And I, I just think the best way to do that is just to eat food together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate act of hospitality. But I love also, too, how you, um, like during COVID, you even did one at like a, a green belt behind a Home Depot. Oh, yeah. yeah, I... You know, when COVID hit, we, we were just trying to figure it out, and we, we actually had a lot of leftover food. It turns out that most of the people that come to our dinners, they don't actually necessarily come just for the food. They, they really come because they want to have a place to gather and have community and feel normal. You know, if a person is, is homeless and really struggling with, with addiction or you know, mental illness, oftentimes they, they just feel completely left out from society. But when they come to the dinner, when they come to the mill and they enter the room, they feel accepted. They feel like they belong. I mean, we, we kind of really strive to practice the whole belonging before you believe aspect. Mm-hmm. And so people come. Well, during COVID, they just stopped coming because, of, because we weren't allowed to gather inside. So we would just serve outside. And we had all this leftover food. And so we just started going to homeless camps. And I found a homeless camp behind Home Depot this kind of like abandoned section that belonged to the Seattle City Lights. And, and uh, we, we just raised money and started a dinner there. And, and that was mm-hmm. really powerful because people, you know, that was like, it really felt like a forgotten kind of third world. Like these people, nobody knows they're there except for, you know, like the police and, and the neighbors that would get bothered by them. And, and we would just go in there and love on them. And, we saw some real progress, some real, you know, lots of prayers, people that were praying for some real issues. You know, people were like, I need, I want to get off the streets. I want to be set free from this, from this heroin addiction. And, you know, I, one of the coolest things that happened was at that dinner, it closed down because the city closed it down. But um, about three or four months after it closed down, I was eating uh, lunch with a buddy up in Linwood, and I saw a couple is actually um, Am- Amber and Justin were their names, and Amber was the one who showed me that place. She showed me the camp, and uh, I saw them up there. They were every time I'd see them in the camp, they were just you know just struggling, mm-hmm. drug addiction, and uh, all kinds of other stuff. But up there, they were set free. You know, I I didn't see. Mm-hmm the transformation i just know we prayed for them when they were in the thick of it when they were completely covered in you know in the in all the baggage that that we tend to take on um in our sinful nature and and but up there something happened jesus got a hold of their hearts and they were like a brand new people i mean she was pregnant he had got a job they had got a place that was mm-hmm. far out away away from 
all of their old friends, and, and it was just a real um, rewarding uh, moment wow. for us. That's yeah. incredible. You know, there's something about being seen, you know, and as you're sharing that, I thought about how many times through Scripture you'll say, you know, Jesus saw them, or Jesus saw me, or you'll hear people even reflect about that power, and that's kind of what community dinners kind of, I, when I think about it, it's, it's about seeing people that feel unseen. And in, in the process of that, of Jesus shining through you, they recognize Jesus sees me, he's helping me, he's walking with me, and it's transformative in that. So if someone's hearing this today and they're going, man, that sounds re- really cool, you know, how can I get involved? What, what are some ways that they can help? Well, I, I would just encourage you just to, just to share a meal with your neighbor. I mean, we all probably have neighbors that, you know, might be isolated or in need of friendship, in need of love, and you could just invite them over to your house for a dinner and get to know them that way. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful way of just being Jesus to your neighbor in the city. But if you want to come and help us, we would love to have you help us. You know, we have dinners throughout throughout the week. It depends on whatever night you're available. Uh, Tammy and I, we, we host the dinner on Friday nights at Lake City Way, and we're always on the lookout for new locations and new mm-hmm. opportunities. We would love to do something in this neighborhood uh, should all the pieces come together and, and God makes a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I would just say if, as I'm speaking, if something in your soul kind of rises up and, and you think there might be some potential there, then I'd, I'd love to talk to you and, and we could just see where it goes. I mean, oh. God wants to use us all. Yeah, amen. Isn't that powerful? You know, and, and two, you know, uh, in that, I'm, I love our strategic partners. You know, as I've been walking through this series preparing, we have so many strategic partners like Union Gospel Mission Community Dinners. And I just, just want to encourage you, if you give to missions already, it's your missions dollars that help support ministries like this. Every month we send to them. And if you're sitting there resonating, go, man, maybe it's time for me to start giving in missions. You know, everything that we do for the Lord and everything that comes in goes right to these ministries, and I'm so thankful for that. Or maybe if you're like, you know what, I'd like to help serve food, or I'd like to, I think I've served food, I've played music, I've done the Jesus story, um, I've done, I, I think, a lot of those cool things, and it is life-changing. You know, the proverb, the one that waters themselves is watered. I mean, if you're feeling lonely or if you're feeling like I need to be filled, man, just start serving and just wait for that gush of living water just to come through. So can, can we just, uh, uh, Sean, I want to pray for you. Pray for you. Be, be, uh, he's a part of us. His wife is a, a children's director. But would you just extend your hand towards Pastor Sean today as we pray for him? And Father, I thank you so much. Lord, for, uh, for Pastor Sean's heart and Tammy's heart and their girls and the ways that you're using them. And so, Lord, we know, again, that uh, we only do anything because it's Christ who gives us strength. But we also know that you've surrounded us as the body of Christ to come alongside, to walk alongside, to encourage and to support. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord, that in all these ways, these areas that you're leading him, God, that you would just continue to provide and that you would use us, that as we hear your voice speaking, that we would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Use us, we pray. Bless Sean, bless community dinners and all the dinners throughout the city. May they continue to be used to shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you show your appreciation for Pastor Sean today? Thank you, brother. If you've been with us, you know that we're in this, this series called Love the City, and we read the scripture at the beginning, but I want us to read this again, because as we talk about today, today we're going to be answering the question of why should we love the city? 
You know, why should we love the city? And so our text is taken from uh, Jeremiah 29, and it says this. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And then verse 7, this is very key. Verse 7 says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Lord, as we spend these moments just diving into it, Father, I pray that you would shine a light, that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us today, show us your heart for the city, and show us what you would have us do in response to your word. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my God, my rock, my redeemer, the rock on which I stand. In Jesus' name, and everyone said together, amen, amen. Well, you know, as we look at this Jeremiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, it's important to recognize when and why he wrote this. See, Jeremiah, he was writing this letter to the Israelites who had been conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and it was a brutal conquest, and it had all the things that are often associated with war. Many were killed. Uh, the elite, the educated, the professionals, they were all taken to Babylon with the strategy of assimilating them, to, to remove them from their God and to remove their history, to remove all that they had known. And, you know, as I was reading this, you know, this strategy to eradicate their Jewish identity, it made me think that it's, it's really not a lot different than what we're seeing, seeing play out in the news today and playing out in the Middle East, this, this cycle of war and, and the hatred for the nation of Israel. Uh, this is really something that's been ongoing since the very beginning of, of their existence for thousands of years. Uh, there has always been opposition, and it, and it made me think of, of what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, where it says, there's nothing new under the sun. And so as we look at this, I think it's important to recognize that, that you know, God, he's speaking to his people, the people who have endured so much, and, and it was a prophetic word that was spoken to them, but something that I think is important for us to take in, into mind is that God doesn't just pull things out of his hat, and he doesn't just pull words out, but the way that God operates, the way that God moves, though it may look different and there's different timeliness to it, we also know that there's this consistency, there's this truth, there's this unchanging nature of God. And what he's speaking to is the nation of Israel so long ago, there's a word in it for us today. And I think it's, it's a word for us today in the response of how we are to treat this city. Because God's response to all that has happened, the mistreatment of the people, everything that's going on, I think God plays it out here in verse 7, where God's response is that we are to seek the welfare of the city. Think about this. Speaking this to a people who've gone through so much, he looks at them and he says, I want you to seek the welfare of the city. But before we dive into this, before we dive into answering the question why, I, I want to just spend a few moments kind of just laying out the challenges. See, the city can be very, very challenging, as you know. I'm literally preaching to the choir. Because although we're in Shoreline, Shoreline used to be Seattle. Did you know that? 
And even now, when I put in 98155, there's still times when it comes up as Seattle. We've only been incorporated for a little over 20 years as Shoreline. And even with the link light and everything is happening, we're really being folded in. And as it relates to the city, there are typically two responses that people have, and both of these have these challenges. And one of the first reactions that people have to the city is they, they want to run to the city. How many of you, you run to the city? You just love it, right? They have this romanticized view See, some look at the eyes of the city with excitement and with romanticism, and I felt that way. I mean, I love all the things that the city has. I mean, when you look at the city of Seattle, we're known for being strong in the arts. I mean, you look at the Grammys and the awards and the things that have happened through the year. I mean, we have chart toppers. I mean, people like Brandy Carlisle. And I mean, for me growing up in the 80s, I mean, the rock group Heart. You remember that? that? Can I say I like Heart and be a pastor still? Is that okay? <laughs> right? I mean, whether it's pop, whether it's hip-hop, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Nirvana, Jimi Hendrix, Macklemore, uh, Quincy Jones has his roots here, the Seattle Symphony. I mean, whatever you want to see, whatever you want to do, Jazz Alley, Ben Royal Hall, it, we are rich in the area of the arts. In sports, I mean, we have legends here like the Seahawks. Thank you for being here during game, by the way. And if you're watching, don't tell me the score I'm recording. We now have a hockey team, to all glory of God, the Kraken. We have the, the, we have the Sounders, and we have the Mariners, and so many others. It's known for its restaurants. I mean, Seattle is synonymous with coffee. And yes, I, sound, I, I include coffee houses in the great restaurants of the world. The business opportunities with Microsoft, Boeing, Amazon, Facebook is here. Of course, Starbucks that we mentioned, Google. And not only that, not only are we in, in, a, in a city, that we're, but we're in a city that's surrounded by the ocean and the sound and the mountains to where we can literally, in 10 minutes, I can be at the water's edge. And in season, there's salmon to be had there. There's, there's clams to be had there. There's, 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 a, there's Dungeness crab that you can pull up just 10 minutes away down in Edmonds. I've done that in my kayak, and the Lord has kept me upright. Mount Rainier, Mount Hood, the Cascades. We're strategically placed where in 10 minutes I can be downtown with the right traffic or I can be in the ocean or I can head into a, to a trail. And I do all those things. And I don't even know why that was funny, but thank you. <laughs> As it relates to education, we have some of the finest schools in the world. How many UW graduates we got here? People at the UW. Shoreline Community College, I know you're out there. We have schools from all the way over. Northwest University, our very own, right? There we go. People come here internationally, even today. I talk to students who they've traveled here from different parts of the world to attend our fine academic institutions. I love our city. But in spite of all these, and I could go on and on and on and on, but in spite of all these, for some, the reaction is they just want to run away from the city. Because while there are very many wonderful things about the city, the city can also be a place that will beat you down. I mean, how many times you just, you just felt like you've been beaten down at times? You know, last week, Pastor Ravon with UGM, he shared with us that although we're the, only the 18th largest city, as it relates to homelessness, we have the third highest homeless population here in Seattle. Seattle is a port city, and like any port city, port cities are targets for sex trafficking and, and, and abuse. And this stat broke my heart when it said that the average age of entry into porn and prostitution is now 12. 
You only have to go up on Aurora and ride the bus down and you see it on full display. Seattle continues to be one of the loneliest cities. It continues to be one of the most isolated cities. A drug abuse is ep- epidemic violence. There are bus stops that I used to, to frequent at that have had to be shut down permanently because of the violence and the drug deals that took place down at 3rd and, and Pike. And when you look at families, families, it can be especially hard on families. It can be very difficult. You know, many families, they've wrestled with, do I need to move away because of, of the pressure and, and the indoctrination that's happening to my kids? It can be very difficult. You know, kids have experienced bullying, bullying for just being a Christian. You know, and as it relates to taxes, taxes are very high in the city. And I've even, even heard some, I did a funeral about a month ago for a young man who overdosed, just, at the, just in his 30s. And one of his best friends who was there, I talked to him, and he'd come, he'd come to the Lord, and he, and he said, you know, Pastor Dwayne, I, I had to move away from Seattle just to get out of the drug culture and everything going on so that I could raise my family. And his words to me, he said, you know, I, I was tired of just surviving. I, I wanted to go to a place where I could thrive. And I was like, I, I totally get it. This is a real temptation to run away. And these are often working in tandem with each other. There's times when you see the city and you want to just embrace it, but there's also the dangers that are around it. So this brings us to the key question of, so why am I here? Why are you here? Why is Shoreline Community Church here? And it all comes back to just these four simple words. God loves city. God loves. He loves the city. Jeremiah 29.7, again, were spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. God said these words to his people. He said, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. See, God is always in control. And there's even times when it seems like, God, why are you doing this? Because it hurts, it's painful, it's difficult. We lean into the scripture where it says, God does all things for our good. But the good things in our life can sometimes hurt. Have you found that? Talk to Mike who's going through physical therapy for his hip replacement. Right? Kraken means something totally different to him now. but it's an important part of our recovery. See, God, he sends us because in spite of all the changes and all the challenges of the city, the Bible is very clear that God continues to call us to not run away from the city, but to run to the city, to invest in the city and to love the city. I mean, look at, this was the call to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was called by God to rebuild the city. Jonah was called by God to go to the godless city of Nineveh to share the truth and love of God. And the Apostle Paul, he spent his life going from city to city, and even when they put him in a jail, even when they would beat him, he would still run to the city to share the life-changing power of God. Now, why would God do this? Why would God care so much about cities that ignore him, that curse his name, and that attack those who trust him? Why does God keep doing this? Well, I believe it's for one very simple reason. 
God keeps running us to the city, and God keeps going to the city because the city is filled with his children. I mean, is there any place that you wouldn't go for your children? How many of you have gone to difficult places that you would never go except your child was there and you wanted to go after them? See, this is one of the strongest messages of the Bible. It's the fact that every human being, every nation, every tribe, every color, every tongue has been made in the image of God. I talk about this with people on a regular basis because we need to know where our identity lies. That's why here at Shoreline Community Church, if you're new, something that I will frequently say is if you want to know what God looks like, look at the person next to you right now. Go ahead and do that. And if you want to score a point, you can say, you look like God. (laughs) We are all made, every one of us, in the image of God. That's why one of the most common words for God is that word father, that that Abba, father. And as a perfect father, his desire is that we would be reconciled to him. This is the goal of every perfect father. And you know, I love how Tim Keller, Tim Keller, the late, wonderful Tim Keller, he says this so beautifully. Tim Keller writes, he said, of all the things God has made, Human beings have pride of place in his heart because they were made in his image. And then I love this line when it says, cities quite literally have more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on earth. Isn't that powerful? That'll preach. Cities have more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on earth. You want to see a richness of the image of God? It's in our cities. That's why the Bible continues to echo that the response of Christians follow children of God, those who've been reconciled to God as their father. Our response is now a rescue mission to rescue those who have been separated from God. This was the life of Jesus whom we are following As Pastor Sean talked about earlier, he was constantly going through the marketplace, constantly going to the cities, inviting himself to dinner to be in the homes of those that he met. Jesus talked to the antagonists to God. And he talked to religious leaders who were confused about God. He talked to everybody. Why did he do this? Well, he did this as so wonderfully laid out in John chapter 1, verse 12, when it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. It's an adoption program. Because all of us, the Bible says, we've all been born into sin. We've all been born out of alignment with God. But the Father's heart is to readopt us back, to bring us right back into the family. That's why the city... It's so important. The city is so important because though it has its challenges, the city is filled with opportunity. See, we can so easily give up on the city. It'll be easier. It's easy, or it's easier. Nothing's easy in life. But to go to a field that's been plowed and fertilized and all the rocks are out and it's just, it's there perfectly... Versus going to a field that has yet to be plowed. 
or it's hardened. But see, that's our call. Our call is to embrace it. See, the cities are places of great influence in our world. That's why that people will even say here, as goes King County, so goes the rest of Washington. It's very influential. That's why for us, if we want to influence the world for Christ, which is our mission, we have to be in the city. We have to be present in the city. We have to be praying for the city. Tim Keller, again, in his landmark book, Center Church, it's like, it's like an academic <laughs> treatise on this. He outlines four key reasons that, boy, they resonate with me. He's like, if you're looking for reasons, said, here are, here are four key reasons why we should be there. See, we're called to be in the city because young people are there. See, when you talk to young people, most of the young people, not all, but so many of the young people that I talk to, when they talk about wanting to be in a place or wanting to have, have, have an apartment, they're talking about in the city. I want to be in Wallingford. I want to be in the youth district. I want to be in Ballard. All the stats show that young adults disproportionately, they want to live in the cities. And this is where they go. And the biblical mandate to raise the next generation, to reach the next generation, is essential. I mean, we all know that the age of 18 to 25 is like a black hole that people can fall into spiritually. When they're on their own, is God real? Are Christians real? We need to be there. We need to be there. We also need to be in the city because unreached people groups are there. The most unreached peoples in the world, Tim Keller writes, are more reachable in the cities. When they immigrate to cities, either from the rural areas in the cities into their own homeland or, 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 or other countries, they break their kinship, their family ties, and they often find themselves here alone. This is an opportunity for us to step in. For those who have left their family, they've left their country, and they find themselves here. What an opportunity to reach out and to invite them to be a part of the body of Christ. Do you know that we are surrounded by unreached people groups, meaning people that have not heard the gospel? Right here in Shoreline. But Acts 1.8 is clear, that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach, yes, the uttermost parts of the earth, but also to reach Jerusalem. In other words, the city that we're in. It all starts here. We also need to be in the city because artists are in the city. I mean, think about the impact that art has had on our, on our culture. I talk to so many people that they're confused about God because of how they've seen God played out in movies or how they've heard about it in music. And even for those who have, had an, have allowed me to ask some follow-up questions about why they don't like God or why they think God is, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people. I'm like, well, have you met somebody like that? Have you actually sat face-to-face? -face? Oh, no, 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 but I just I saw it in a news report or I read it in a blog or I saw it in a movie or this artist that I love sings about it, so it must be true. We need firsthand experiences with men and women who love the Lord and are filled with His power. Because here's, also, here's what I've also seen. I've seen people that they may have heard about Jesus secondhand or thirdhand when they meet somebody who's filled with the love of God, that loves them, 
the love, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging that we talked about, what Pastor Sean talked about earlier, that, that idea of a place where you can belong before you believe. It is life-changing. That's what Jesus did. And as the arts are changed, the world is impacted with the love of Jesus. So that was number three. Number four that Tim Keller talks about, he says it's important for us to be in the city because the poor are in the cities. He writes, if you go to the cities, you not only reach the elites of the world, but you also reach the poor. He says something like one-third of all people moving into the great cities of the world today are going there to live in desperate situations. But God cares about the poor. God loves the poor. So if you go to the cities, you not only reach the next generation, you not only reach the unreached people groups, you not only reach the people at the top, but you reach the people that God loves. God loves the poor. That's why James 1 says that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means what? Caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Proverbs 19 says, Whoever is kind, whoever is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord. And then it has this promise, He will reward them for what they have done. And in Matthew 25, Jesus says, When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Every person that you face, every person holding a hand out, or every person who's backing away, all loved by the Lord. And as we love them, as we care for them, Jesus says, you're doing it to me. So much so that if we ignore the poor, we're ignoring God. If we ignore the poor, we are ignoring God. See, if we want to make a significant impact, we will be in the cities. Again, cities have more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on the earth. Do you know that there are only two recordings of Jesus weeping in the Bible? He wept over the death of a friend. And then he wept over the death of a city. In Luke 13, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And then in 19, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, even you, if you had only known this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus, he weeps over the death of a city. He weeps over the, the loss of an, the tragedy of a lost opportunity. Even as he was there in their midst. So much opportunity. So what's our response today? See, the Lord, he reveals things, things to us. Not just to bring us down. Not just to make us feel helpless. But he reveals these things to us because he's revealing an opportunity that we have. Because here's the thing, as, as we walk these things out and as you walk through, it can become overwhelming. 
It can drive you to depression because you want to do something so bad, but you, you look at what you have, and you go, Lord, what can I do? So what is our response? What is our response? Our, our response is at Sri Lanka Community Church, we're going to look at the city and we're, and we're going to say, thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have. I am so excited about the link light opening up next fall. Do you know there's construction going on in this area? Do you know the link light that's happening? Do you know that the power that it has of local transit, of connecting our city to where now I'll be able to just literally walk from my house, get on the link light, and go all the way down to the airport, get off at downtown, get off at Cap Hill, get off at the U District. The ability to be connected with people. And as a result of that, are we going to build a coffee house? Yes, we are. That's been a tough one for me. Because see, I want to see a dream, I want to see a vision, and I want to start it, and I want to open up next month. But we trust the Lord's timing. I almost hesitate to even say we're still in permitting, but to the glory of God, we are in permitting, and I believe we're in those final stages. And the Lord will provide. But we trust His timing. There's things that the Lord does that I feel like I've just got the tiger by the tail, and I'm just kind of holding on to kind of go along, and things are happening. And there's other things where, like, God, I'm ready to move, and He's like, not yet. Because there's things that he's working out. But we will be building a coffee house where the Lord's going to do so much local ministry in that because we want to be in our community. We want to be that third place that people feel comfortable coming to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Val. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about that you're going to hear us talk more about, that, that's something we've been praying about as leaders, something I've really been praying about is, you know, as I look around at the international community around us, I'm like, Lord, would you open the doors of heaven to allow us to have another, another PAC church? You know, PAC is something that we do. It stands for parent-affiliated church. Pastor Harry, TLC, right next to us, he's one of our PAC churches. It's just churches that we walk alongside and we partner together as a parent, helping them, providing a place for them. One of the things I've been praying for for our next PAC is, Lord, there's an international community that coming through these doors on a Sunday morning may be a step too far. Because there's someone out there that has a heart for it that we could partner with. And I'm so excited to announce that we found that person. Matter of fact, Dr. Carl Martin and Randy, they're here today. Would you, would you guys mind standing up? I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. But this is Dr. Cole Martin and her husband Randy, missionaries for years that we have supported. that they're back in this area. And as we began talking to them, we sensed the Lord doing something special. And so we are in the works of creating an international pack to reach unreached people groups right here in this area. There's more to come. We're walking, we're trusting, we're, we're seeking. I'm so excited about that. One of the other things that the Lord is doing is he's, he's strengthening our strategic partnerships with, with Olive Crest that ministers to foster families, with Union Gospel Mission, with homelessness and trauma training. Pastor Tiffany has seen doors open up for us to be on high school campuses in the area. That's a door that's been closed for a long time. The Lord is opening up. See, more than ever before, I believe this is an exciting time. It can be very easy for us to turn on the news and to see all the stuff that's happening in this city. 
But I'm praying the Lord would turn our eyes and say, those are my children. Those are my children. Would you go and would you reach them? And it's not just downtown. Those are my children right outside these doors. Those are my children here. But as a family, when someone's missing from the table, don't you long for them to be there? Don't you long for them to be around the table of God? This is our mandate. And next week, we're going to be talking more about how we do that and how we prep it. But my prayer for today is, as we look at it, is that, God, that you would sharpen my eyes. That when I look at the city, I would see more of the image of God per square inch than any other place on earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we just continue to seek the Lord? Father, we, we thank you for loving us. Because, Lord, at one point, we've all been separated from God. We've all been in need of being adopted into your family. And so, Lord, we thank you for receiving us, for adopting us as children of the Most High God. So, Lord, do your work in us today. Speak, Lord. We, your servants, we are listening. Amen. Would you pray that prayer? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So, Lord, we listen to you. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do a little bit of work in you and ask yourself, how do I feel about this city? Do I have a romanticized view of the city? Where I just see it as a place of fun and entertainment or just a place where I work? Or do I see it as a place that I, I just want to run away from? I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Am I running towards or am I running away? And then bring that to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me do? Lord, turn our hearts, Lord, to seek the welfare of the city. Because, God, there's a promise in that, that in it we also find You know, later in, 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 in Jeremiah 29, it says this, and we read this at the opening of our service. 29 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, when you seek me with all of your heart. See, communion is a reminder of that because there's a, we see throughout Scripture that, that commandment, that call to seek the Lord, not with parts, not just with a little bit, not just with the leftovers. We don't give God what's left over. We give God everything. And that's what communion is, is that reminder of, that when we follow Jesus, we're following in the one that gave everything to us. He gave everything to us. So remember, this represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. It wasn't broken figuratively. It was literally broken. He felt real pain for us. He carried all of our sin, all of our stuff. That's why Jesus said that as often as you eat and drink, every meal that you get around, every time that you do this, 
He said, I want you to remember what I've done. And he says that not to bring guilt into our life, not to bring condemnation. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us to bring us back on path. Satan tries to condemn us and say, you're no good and there's no hope for you. And without Jesus, there isn't. But Jesus says, no, my body was broken for you so that now you can receive. So we just, just hold that and just give thanks to the Lord for his work in your life. And also the Bible says that we're to examine our hearts, that if there's anything out of alignment, the Bible calls that sin, to confess that to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive you. So just, let's just take a moment just to confess to the Lord and to ask for forgiveness of all those areas that are out of alignment, whether it's an area of, of commission or omission in our lives. Either things we've done or things we're refusing to do that the Lord has called us to. Just ask forgiveness. Lord, forgive us. Make us clean. Your word says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, Lord, purify our hearts. May we be poor in spirit, emptied of all things except you. On our own, there's nothing we can do, but we can do all things through you. So, Lord, we receive this today. As we receive your forgiveness, we receive your empowerment that comes. And we break this bread as we remember the power that comes through your life. Let's, let's receive the bread today. Mm, thank you, Lord. You know, every time I see this, I just I think about the words in, in the word of God that says it's by his stripes that we are healed. Is there a healing that you're seeking the Lord for today? Before you drink, just bring that to the Lord and ask the Lord to heal you, to fill you, to strengthen you. It could be a physical healing. It could be an emotional. It could be anxiety. Whatever it is, Jesus already knows about it, but we need to confess it to him and to recognize you're my hope. You're my cure, and I look to you. So, Lord, heal us today. Strengthen us today. Cleanse us today. Lord, help us to let go of every hindrance, every weight as we pursue you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for walking with me, for filling me, for taking things that the enemy meant for harm and using them to strengthen me. Even this week, I receive your strength that's perfected in my weakness. Let's receive this cup today. Can you just give the Lord thanks today? We give you thanks, Lord. Thank you for your love, your life, your power, for reaching us, for, for speaking to us. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said together, amen, amen. Well, that's our prayer. We build our life on you. We put our trust in you, and we will not be shaken. So, Lord, we lean into your truth. We lean into your love. And Father, we give thanks for the opportunity that you've given us in strategically placing us here for such a moment, such a time as this. Thank you, O oh Lord. Now, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see as you see. Lord, to see everyone around us as children that need to be reconciled to you through the love of Christ. So, Lord, use us, empower us. And Lord, I pray that we would not forget the things you've spoken to us today. Lord, the, 
the little whispers, the, 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 the dreams that, uh, that you've placed in us, that you have a plan for as we lean into, as we trust you, as we trust with your educational program called pain in our life that you use to strengthen us, I pray. And thank you for this community. And everyone said together, amen. Amen.